You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. The most ridiculous part of season one, it's not its not like monsters coming from a parallel dimension or kitchen. <laughs> it's that wick. <laughs> And welcome to a very special episode of the Their Queer Podcast, the podcast where two homos look at all things queer and horror. And today we are having a flashback to the 80s and looking at one of the greatest TV shows ever made, Stranger Things. Hi, Liam. Hi, other Liam. How are you on this fine, fine day? I am sweating my tits off. <laughs> We move. It's, it, yeah, we move. It's it's very very warm today, isn't it? Um, when we're recording this, which is I suppose fitting. We're we're heading to California next season. We're leaving Hawkins in season oh, yeah. four of Stranger Things. So mm. I don't know. It's probably going to get hot under the collar uh, with this TV show. Wow. I'm so excited to be doing this 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 special episode. Is me oh. bloody too. It's one of the greatest TV shows uh, in history. I would say of modern times. Like. Um, <laughs> If you listen to our Buffy episode, you'll hear how much I love Buffy. But this comes as a very close second to me. I was going to say, I, I said to you before, this is this is definitely my Buffy. I think yeah. this is the show I revisit like a lot. I think I've only revisited Buffy maybe a bit more because it's a bit older. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that I'm going to like watch this show until I'm until the day I die, basically. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, I'm that I'm that guy. It it <laughs> it really does have everything. It has a killer '80s soundtrack. Uh, has a killer 80s vibe, has some amazing fits, an amazing cast. Yeah, Some of the greatest writing that I have uh, yep. witnessed on TV and some of the most daring uh, camera work, I'd like to say, mm. that I've seen on TV. So what we'll do today okay. is we're going to recap the first three series of Stranger Things. We're going to have a look at the trailer of season four and discuss our theories and we will also just discuss all things Stranger Things because it's incredible. <laughs> I'm down. I'm 100% down yeah. for that. And if there is anyone listening who hasn't yet checked out Stranger Things, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> because it's usually, this, it's usually this show, me. Yeah, it's usually show. me who chastises the audience. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fully going to go to town on people on this episode. I, no, I just, I, I don't know. It's You know, when I speak to people and they're like, I haven't watched it yet. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, it's it's a cultural phenomenon this show like this is it was i I mean i think maybe single-handedly this show did help put netflix well and truly on the map like in terms of original content it was i believe it was this and orange is the new black yes um absolutely two completely different shows but yeah they seem to have tapped the cultural zeitgeist yeah so with that being said uh, here's your spoiler alert. I mean, you can't listen to any bit of this episode without spoilers being ahead. And also, if anybody who is listening to this is on Stranger Things, has worked on Stranger Things, has anything to do with Stranger Things, yep. please reach out to us. I would love to talk absolute waffle to you for hours. So Waffle. Say first first point of the podcast. We've got a waffle in there. <laughs> that was Amazing. completely unintentional as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, but um, no, absolutely. Uh, I would also love to partake. So, do you remember um, the first season dropping? Do you remember? 
how you discovered it. Yeah, I could. I can remember. I mean, like many things, I discover it's usually through the site Bloody Disgusting. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm like on there pretty much every day, checking out Same. new trailers, new new stuff coming out. And I can remember it. I don't know. It, it was kind of like rumblings that there was going to be this new drama at Netflix, and it was like it taps into Stephen King, it taps mm-hmm. into like Spielberg vibes, Amblin, sort of like the whole kind of thing that I grew up on and loved. I mean, like, um, I I have no shame in saying that I think the film that actually got me into horror and got me into films in general was E.T. And it terrified me as a kid, but that film holds such a special place in my heart because it was, like, one of the first experiences I had with my grandma and watching the film and, like, Mm -hmm. realising I was watching a film. So um, it it was amazing to then see that we were getting this this thing that was going to be set in this world and i mean even with my own work i've always tried to tap into that nostalgia of the 80s like it's such a fun world to play in um so i can remember seeing like the press release going out and then when the trailer dropped oh my god from the Uh hearing of the the lights on the bikes being turned on and the twinkle and and just i don't know the kids and the the dialogue and just everything it was like the goonies et stand by me x files like it was it was everything i could possibly want and i've always obviously because of tim burton been a huge fan of winona Ryder as well so oh my god seeing that she was then going to be like this core character in the midst of it because i think aside from her a lot of the other kind of characters, maybe Matthew Modine as well, obviously as an actor, they weren't the most established or well-known, and mm-hmm. particularly obviously the kids as well. So to see that like this level of talent was already committed at that point, I was just like, I don't know. There was, I think I knew I was going to like it as soon yeah. as I saw that trailer. I I liked it from, well, before I even saw it, um, there was an article and it said something similar to what you said there. And it was like, if you're a fan of Stand By Me, The Goonies, E.T. and Stephen yeah. King, this show is for you. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> I don't see how you could me. say no to that question. Like, then, I mean, everyone should be fans of that. I was scrolling through the article and it was like, um, amongst the cast, Winona Ryder. I was like, well, if I wasn't on board before, of <laughs> I definitely course I'm going to be yeah. on board for Winona Ryder. And... I remember that first trailer dropping, yeah. not knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. because even though it had all these 80s tropes, there was bits where I was just like, I don't know what the, I didn't yeah. know what tone it was because it seemed, it was so good the way that that trailer was edited because it had those mm-hmm. really light moments and then you saw all this horrendous stuff happen and I thought, okay, yeah. this is, this is going to be good. Now, I remember when it got released, I thought, I'll watch the first episode on release day yeah, uh, and then I'll see where to go from there. I watched the first episode, and the minute I heard those opening titles, oh my lord, yeah, yeah, I was hooked. The, so I'm before we get into it, <laughs> I need to give a giant shout out to Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein for creating one of the best scores I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, um, their use of like nostalgic nostalgic eighties synthwave. Mm. in this it's incredible like standouts for me are she's gonna kill you oh love that track so so good yeah that's my favorite and that track when if you watch x um by super freak media um (laughs) it kind of yeah it well that's it i mean obviously yeah so back in it would have been uh 
I'm trying to think now. It would have been, it was 2019. Super Freak Media uh, celebrated 10 years online. And I mean, you can see from that film, that short film that we made where we brought back all these characters, the wraparound was essentially trying to homage Stranger Things in as many ways as we could. Mm -hmm. Like we had the, the old kind of chopper bike and we had like torches at night and walkie talkies and all of this sort of stuff going on. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was so impactful uh, to me and it hit me at like just the right time. Like, I mm-hmm. think if I'd have been younger, I'd, I would have appreciated it, but it was just yeah. at that like sweet spot where I think I was watching a lot of like eighties horror and sci-fi and stuff anyway in, in my free time to kind of educate myself. But then this kind of tapped into it and was just so like tonally great. Yeah. Um, and I mean, again, obviously you've given a shout out to the, the music. I completely agree. Um, but aside from the, the music and the trailer and things like that, I've got to say the poster as well. And I mean, the posters oh, consistently days. for every single season. I, I mean, I almost look forward to those as much as I do the, the trailers because I mean, shout out to Kyle Lambert, the artist. Go and follow him on Instagram because he posts great like process videos. So like you can see how he, literally draws these these posters it, it, it i don't know it's just it's when the stars align and there's so many yeah. elements of this show that just work like the production design is incredible the the acting talent is incredible the writing like you said spot mm. on music or oh, it's just it just makes you feel so like warm and yeah and fuzzy it's like nostalgia in a show it's perfect so before we get into our recap mm. do you have a favorite season yeah i think it's it might be it might be a controversial one. I think if, if I'm being honest, I really, really dug season two. I yeah. think it's, I don't know. There's elements of it that I don't think work. And obviously we'll get into that. But I think, you know, when it was announced, obviously Stranger Things season one, and I don't know about you, how you watch them when they're released. I know you said you caught the, the first episode on release day. I've made it a habit now that I literally either book time off work, say like no to clients on the day that it, it's, mm-hmm. it's being released and I will binge the entire season in yeah. one day. And that's been from the start. Like I, I knew I was going to enjoy this show when I knew Stranger Things season two was announced and it was going to be set around Halloween. I was just oh like, okay, yeah. you're just, you're literally gunning for me as an audience member. And I can remember uh, I was in LA a couple of times that year and there were just billboards everywhere for mm-hmm. it. But the, it was just, oh my God, it was just gorgeous. It was like pumpkins and there was like, in the trailer, you get to see all these like vintage Halloween decorations. And I, I don't know, seeing the kids dressed as Ghostbusters and Max as Michael Myers, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it couldn't be more perfect. Like I genuinely wouldn't change a thing about this show at all. And I don't obviously say that often about a lot of the stuff that we'll kind of talk about on here. Yeah, I... I think season one is probably my fave, mm. um, but season three for me really just knocked it out of the park. And, and to be honest, season like for its shortcoming, season two is still a masterpiece. I think the whole show so far, I I've got a sneaky feeling that season four may end up being my favorite. Um, I kind of think the same. Like I feel it's leaning more into the horror aspects absolutely. of stuff. And um, yeah, the the reveal that we got of the villain of season four. Mm. Oh my days. Anyway, we'll get into that. So (laughs) Stranger Things season one. So we are in a small sleepy town called Hawkins in Indiana. And did you ever watch a show called Eerie Indiana? 
I, I haven't, but I think, you know, like after this show drops, like a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff that even had a tenuous connection yeah. to, to, to the setting or whatever of Stranger Things, it all kind of came back into the forefront of pop culture, yeah. didn't it? So I think there was a few articles that kind of came around, around that time. Uh, but no, have, have you, have you checked yeah, that yeah. out? Yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to watch Eerie Indiana. It used to be on, uh, CBBC. Oh, but yeah. Uh, okay, we're in, cool. um, Hawkins, Indiana, uh, in 1983. And we follow four friends who are all big fat nerds. Well, not fat, <laughs> but they're all big nerds. Um, we've got Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and Will, and they happen to be like the dorkiest yet cutest bunch of kids in the world. Yeah, they're so endearing. They just love to play D and D. They love Star Wars. They love everything. That that there's. That's another thing about this show. This show is not afraid to reference and no. <laughs> of everything about that. Absolutely um, not. But yeah, in season one, we find out that after a, oh, what would you call it? A, a session of D&D? I've, <laughs> I've always wanted <laughs> a to quest. Play, oh no, uh, what do they call it? They call it a, um, is it a quest? They call it know. quest, don't they? I don't know. Is it always, like, I do want to play Dungeons and Dragons. I know. Day, I mean, Rich, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but Richard, who um, works with us at Super Freak Media, he's a big D&D head. <sighs> and I don't know how we've not like done a D&D short film crossover yeah, thing. I, want I mean, to it's, do, it's on the cards. Yeah. I want to do a D&D now. Dungeons and Drag Queens. That, that's what Dungeons I want. and Drag Queens. I absolutely love that. <laughs> oh, I think it is a campaign. Campaign, that's the one. My God, we got there eventually. So yeah, uh, I, campaigns, campaigns. <laughs> anyway, so these kids have just finished a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Will's on his way home, sees this spooky looking monstery thing, disappears. And the whole premise of season one is searching for Will. And there's a lab on the outskirt of town that's a bit creepy. No one really knows what it does. And then we find out in this season what it does it's a bit of a loose recap there but i thought if we discuss all the elements of season one we'll eventually everyone will get the idea plus absolutely uh, for anybody who follows us on social media uh we are doing some short recap videos uh so make sure you look out for those yeah yeah please do uh, i mean yeah i mean th- that's it isn't it i think it, it's nice i think that all the seasons in some way are kind of centered obviously they're centered around the these great group of characters that we meet in this this first uh, series will's gone missing his mum played by winona wider joyce is at a wit's end doesn't know what to do we meet chief hopper yes uh, we do played by the wonderful david harbour oh my days <laughs> the the feelings i harbour for david harbour <laughs> pause David Harbour, if you are listening to this podcast, I am free any night, any time of the day. So Ryan Reynolds has to come on Thursdays, but David Harbour can come any day of the week. I would kick Ryan Reynolds out for David Harbour. Yeah, I mean, he's he is very he's much... so hot. And it, yeah, so we meet, we meet Daddy Harbour. Daddy Harbour. Um, yeah, and um, he's helping Joyce in her investigation because they're old friends. Yeah. Uh, while the kids are looking for Will, they run into Sinead O'Connor, played by. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't meet Sinead O'Connor, but imagine. It's been seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet. Uh, we meet Eleven, uh, the character who spawned a million Halloween costumes. Yeah, I mean, I've literally. I will yeah. also shout out at this point. I've dressed as Eleven mm-hmm. uh, to go to Alton Towers here in the UK. So that was. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, just it's it's iconic, this show. Yeah, I, I think as well, what's great is the fact that it's 
kind of these stories they're generational as well like like we said we've got this this ragtag group of D guys who are obviously on this quest in real life now to find their their missing friend will we've got his mum and hopper on their quest to be the adults and find out the answers to everything and then in the middle of it we've got uh, nancy and jonathan and steve and his absolute dickhead friends in season yeah. <laughs> one so th- there's a lot like going on but it it all just flows so seamlessly and it you've really got all does. these these hits of pop culture along the way and we find out that obviously yeah this lab at the edge of town has had more nefarious uh, ideas of, of of what to be doing with the uh, taxpayers money in uh, in America or, but or that's, something like uh, that but yeah they actually uh, a part of a real um a real life project that happened in America called MK Ultra, where mm. they tried to test, they ran experiments on people to try and get people to gain superpowers like telepathy <laughs> and telekinesis to spy on uh, the Russians during the height of the the Red Scare. Yeah, so it, the great thing about the show is it does tap into a lot of real life stuff. And as mm. you were saying about the generational thing is the mm. reason why I think the show was so successful was because it speaks to anybody watching that. If you're an older person watching that, you've not only got the nostalgia of living through the 80s, but you can relate so heavily to the adult characters in this. Uh, Particularly, I think Winona Ryder is the standout character of season one in particular. Her performance... It was her season. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Her performance as a mother who is completely distraught at losing a child. A lot of people can relate to that. I mean, also the fact that she goes through at least three telephones. Her electricity bill must be (laughs) massively insane. Uh, She's a woman on the edge and she does it beautifully. So well done. (laughs) And then uh, we've got the people who can relate to the being an awkward teenager at that time. Yeah. um, Or just at any time and trying to navigate you know life as a teenager when you think you want to go one way but technically you want to go the other it's that transition isn't it it's transitioning from like high school or school and and mm-hmm. actually stepping into life and seeing like what you want to do and those first like serious relationships that you'll have and yeah. i don't know like i said obviously the people particularly i mean with steve the friends he has around him in that first season are not it at all and i don't know i think we all kind of you lose friends along the way in your real life because you do realize that I don't know that I think the older you get, the smaller your tribe gets, but it's filled with more people that are on your wavelength. And that was a awesome way. I think for the show to show that. I think the Duffer brothers, when they were, when they were creating this, they're of it. Clearly you can see the, Mm -hmm. the love that they have for films that like the eighties were, was the perfect time to watch coming of age films yeah um some standouts like stand by me the goonies i will say the lost boys <laughs> um yeah yeah for sure there are a lot of films around that time were all about chosen family mm-hmm. um and i think they they nailed it on the head with this one thing that i want to talk about that happens during season one there was a character who sparked a million copycats and that is barb Shout out to Barb. Barbara Holland. But also, love you. Shout out to the lesbian community for taking Barb under your wing. As a queer person watching this show, I mean, we we didn't technically get a queer character in the show until the third season. Watching this through a queer lens, the themes that this hits, this show, mm. even in season one, um, it goes back to them. You've got somebody who's, you know, outcast and is is classed as the other. 
but it turns out that that other, nothing would happen without them and mm. the world wouldn't be saved without them, which is true of all queer people because we all have superpowers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, when did you get yours? Oh, like, since the day I was born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came out in a, in a cloud of glitter. I did. Uh, <laughs> I, flew, <laughs> I flew out of our shares. <laughs> yes. I know, obviously, we've kind of said, yeah, technically we don't get a queer character until season three, but I, I am quietly under the suspicion and opinion i mean i don't think they've kind of concealed the fact but i do think we are going to get a canon character who maybe is gay in the form of will and i mean it is kind of hinted at a lot in the first season i do think in season three mike has a line where he said it's not my fault that you don't like girls girls. yeah it's funny that he's kind of the center of all this but he's hardly in season one I i did very much see a lot of myself in Will, even through the the later seasons as well, just because I I was maybe that kid who was a little bit more like kind of quiet and even amongst friends didn't always fit in the most. And I'd see them like doing other things and I'd be at home like drawing weird shit. And like, that's him, (laughs) that's Will. Kind of saw that and obviously he he had a single mum like raising him and all of that. And it, it very much resonated with me a lot. So... I'm kind of curious to see where they take that in season four, because I am aware that obviously this show started and these kids were very much children and it isn't something that they need to have figured out when they're like 10 and 11. Absolutely not. It isn't something they need to have figured out like now, but I don't know. I feel like the way that it's going, it's going to be something that's maybe touched upon maybe a little bit more in season four. Going back to Barb, just because Mm -hmm. I had to mention her. um, Yes, sorry. It's all right. (laughs) Going along the plot, unfortunately, Barb disappears one night and then not only are we looking for Will, we're looking for Barb. I don't think enough energy was put into looking for Barb as it was no, for Will. No, the whole town is in uproar that Will's gone missing. <laughs> yeah. And then Barb goes missing, like, what, two days later? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You've got Nancy and Jonathan basically doing yeah. oh my God, I what hate they Jonathan. want. I can't stand Jonathan. Really? Okay, interesting. In, in that first season. So in the first season, Jonathan Byers is... A big creep, creep weirdo. Um, <laughs> he takes photos of people in various states of undress. And I get that he's like, he's supposed to be like the nice guy and everything. But yeah, I feel like in season one, Jonathan Byers is, to me, is quite unlikable. Apart from the scenes between the flashbacks we get with him and Will, uh, yeah. which I think are really cute. Yeah, I think he's had a rough go of it. And I think he is, I, I don't know, he's set up obviously to maybe initially be that creepy character. But I don't know. I never found, I never disliked jonathan uh, i very much disliked steve in the first season i think you were meant to yeah. uh, because obviously going into season two it is very much where we then get that redemption for him but mm-hmm. yeah i 100 percent agree not enough resources were put down for miss barbara holland Absolutely and not. uh justice for barb it's still justice a thing for barb. Yeah. justice for barb so barb goes missing and yeah that kind of gets overlooked apart from by nancy and jonathan who Mm -hmm. go looking for her while that's all going on eleven is hiding in mike's basement and they try to get eleven to be introduced to society so they get a shake and go wig that turns (laughs) out to be the most incredible lace front wig like yeah the most ridiculous part of season one, it's not its not like monsters coming from a parallel dimension or kids who... <laughs> it's that wig. It's that wig. The fact is they just get that wig, plop it on her head, and somehow it looks like... Glued down, snatched. She's, it yeah. literally looks like they've got Beyonce's wig artists on the show and just being like, oh, let me do that. Be- what? Beyonce wears wigs? What? Uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> 
hijinks ensue and everybody is up in the air. And then Will's found, they find Will in the quarry. There's a lake and they drag a body out. And, it, and then Joyce is like, well, that's it's not my son. Mm. And Hopper's like, well, it is because it looks like it. But then he's like, I'm going to give her the benefit of a doubt because she's Winona Ryder. Yeah. Um, wouldn't so, do this for anyone else, but <laughs> I am going to cut into this body because I feel and like... And then, yeah, Hopper being the absolute angel that he is, discovers that the dummy is a masterpiece of special effects. Um, and it's just <laughs> it's just filled with co- I mean, cotton w- wool. When you, say, when you say it like this, the show seems very, very silly, but I think the way it's done, it is very oh, good. It it's very good. Amazing. It's very good. That very really creeps me out, you know. Do you know when they got that body and then mm. he just opens... Will's body up and gets all that cotton wool out. One, I don't like cotton wool, so it do you not? freaked me. No, um, but <laughs> yeah, but it it really creeped me out, and it was really really well done. I mean, mm. the dummy that they used was incredible. So yeah, and then Hopper's like, I'm going to go to this lab, have a look around, and see what the tears. I just love that. I know he's the sheriff of the town, but he does not give a shit about anything, and he's no. like, I'm just going to go in here. Just say what I need to say, get shit mm-hmm. done, and then I'm just going to leave. Well, and he does. And yeah. I think that's what's maybe Well, the so thing attractive. is, he's, he's introduced <laughs> as the town drunk near enough. And Absolutely, then yeah. throughout the show becomes a town hunk. He <laughs> punches someone in the face. I wish it was me. And then <laughs> he finds the the gate to the upside down and then gets roofied. Yeah, very concerning. Wakes up in his house, realised it's bugged, and was like, oh, Joyce was right all along. Yeah, She's not crazy. And then that's when they realise we need to sort out Hawking Lab. Uh, because Yeah, he very up. much comes around to her way of thinking at this point, yeah. doesn't he? Oh, uh, and while that's going on, Will has found a way of communicating with Joyce from the upside down, and we get the iconic Christmas light alphabet sheet on the wall that... I've seen recreated a million times. I mean, I was at a Halloween party last year and we recreated there because it's just... It's kind of crazy <sighs> to think of so many elements of this show that are like so like in pop culture now. <clears throat> like to imagine a time before all of that, it yeah. is kind of insane. It's only been a few years. I mean, uh-huh. we've had to wait a long, long time for this latest season. But yeah, it's it's insane. But yeah, 100% love that. Just off. I just I, I love this show so much. <laughs> I love this show. So while um while Will's communicating, Elle, Will <laughs> Eleven ends up getting everybody on her side, and then we get a flashback and we find out that Eleven has been experimented on by the people at Hawkins Lab, and she was used as a spy to spy on the Russians. But while she was spying on these Russians, she managed to enter the Upside Down and communicate with a creature there which is the creature that took Will, and it's dubbed the Demogorgon after a creature that's in Dungeons & Dragons. One day I will find out when I get to play it. And again, <laughs> hijinks ensue. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, the the finale of season one, like where we do kind of get this, this epic conclusion where basically everyone then comes together. So we've said there's these generational stories happening mm-hmm. side by side. Obviously, you, you've then got the the group of kids coming together with Joyce and, and Hopper uh, and Nancy and, and Jonathan there just for good measure. Um, and I, I mean, it's it's just, it's incredible the the way that, I don't know, the way that this story does come to, to a close yeah. uh, is, it's so satisfying, but at the same time, like, left everyone in the world wanting more yeah uh, we I mean, wanted they, to know what happened to 11 yeah, obviously because will at the end is at the end of now. season one 11 kicks the demogorgon's ass but just like goes full-on dark phoenix and disintegrates them 
and then yeah. disappears herself and we're like oh god well and then we i get think a nice little teaser at the end where she's obsessed with egos uh, <laughs> and hopper leaves some in the woods which makes us think that she's coming back i think the duffers did say at some point that it was initially their intention to kill 11 off at this point mm-hmm. um and i think obviously massive mistake because she is like i don't know but she's synonymous with the series now and so is millie bobby brown obviously after this uh... don't come for us millie bobby (laughs) brown please don't come for us i know we're a gay podcast i I think i hear a car i think (laughs) she's gonna floor it she's gonna floor it i can hear charlie xx room playing beep beep (laughs) yeah so she's uh yeah i mean just the the way that it ended, I can remember literally after my binge day of season one, just being like, okay, I need season two immediately. And Absolutely. I think I'm sure it was like a week or so afterwards, Netflix were like, yeah, we're going to do season two. Yeah. All the kids were on like all of the TV shows everywhere doing like mm. everything. And I can remember as well at that point, like there was no merch, there was no anything no. for it because it was so like new. And I think obviously it was a massive gamble for Netflix. They didn't know if it would work or take off as much as it did. And I, I mean, I will say at this point in in this episode, like this is my confession. I am a hundred percent that guy who collects every bit of merch I can find for the yeah. show. I worked at H&M when they did the oh. Stranger Things collection. So I have the Hawaiian shirt with the Demogorgon face all over it. Just, yeah. Um, that's one thing that I'll, want to touch on really briefly is the design in this um the Mm. creature design for the demogorgon was incredible to me because it's a humanoid creature and we don't see it open its face into this weird flower face for for a little while and i was absolutely creeped the out by it i thought it was terrifying and the creature um and going forward the creature design for everything uh, I'll touch more on it on season three because mm. wow. Um, well, that, that that that's what's been good about this season. I think is that every series has offered something new in terms of creatures. They all mm-hmm. come from this demi demo family. So, like obviously we had the demogorgon, which I will say I think is legit my favorite. Like out of all of the the kind of creations so far, yeah. I did love the mind flayer uh, going into season three, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that the series starts, we get this glimpse of this humanoid, demonic-looking creature. But yeah, Mm -hmm. you had no idea that its face was going to open up into the deadliest-looking frigging teeth-filled petal flower (laughs) thing ever and just eat your frigging face off. Like, it's it was terrifying. And it was mainly, obviously, all done practically, wasn't it? A lot of it. So, again, they just nailed everything that they needed to nail in this series. So, before we wrap up on season one, I want Mm. to ask you, what are your standout moments from season one? The introduction to the characters always stands out to me. And, like, that, that first episode is just... It is just chef's kiss. It's brilliant. I mean, again, I rewatched this season uh, recently. I, I just, I just love, like, just the the vibes are just immaculate in this show, yeah. and the ending, and like the Christmas time, and not knowing if Eleven's there, and like I can just remember all the questions I had at that point, and and seeing her kick ass, and yeah, take no names, and and all of this. <laughs> it was just, it, I I think yeah, I, I think. The series as a whole is incredible, but I absolutely love like the first and closing episodes. Yeah. And the, the stuff I, I really, really love the scenes with, um, Nancy, Jonathan and Steve when he comes in and they've got like the yeah. lights and they've set mm-hmm. the trap and the demogorgon appears. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that is a standout sequence for me. I mean, I think anything in the buyer's like cabin, I, I yeah. loved just because, well, that was, um, yeah, that brings me on to like some of my favorite 
moments. So my moments mm. uh, usually involve Joyce uh, trying <laughs> to communicate with Will. There's a moment where she's sat there with a huge tangled mess of Christmas lights in her hand and they're just slowly blinking on and off. Yeah. And it's, it just looks gorgeous. Another standout moment for me is when we get the revelation of Hopper losing his daughter to cancer. Oh my and then Lord. Everything, the way that he's so protective over kids starts to make more sense. Yeah. And, and also... Way- and why he's he isn't so a drunk. Dis- yeah. He's, he he's isn't a drunk. Recovering, he's, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, another standout moment for me would be uh, the quarry where two bullies try to get um, yeah. Mike to jump into a lake and Eleven saves the day. And that's where we get my favourite piece of music called She'll Kill You. Oh my God. It's, I get goosebumps thinking about that piece of music. It's the drums that really get me. But that's the scene where everyone's like, okay, she's our she's our friend. Like she's yeah. one of us. It's her, you know, it's her hook moment when everybody accepts Peter Panning as Peter Pan. And, <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that le- leads us into season two. So mm-hmm. season two, and a lot of people didn't seem to enjoy season two as much. And I feel mm. like to some extent I can understand why, but I think it's just as good as the first season. So in season yeah. two, we get the revelation that L11 didn't die. She just popped over to the upside down. Just took a bit of a vacay yeah. in the uh, in the upside down. Yeah. yeah. She just just <laughs> just chilling. I just want to be me. <laughs> I just, um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, and then she comes back and she's been living in Hopper's cabin. Well, grandfather's cabin. While that's all going on, the boys are trying to get back to normal life, spending a lot of time at an arcade. They make a friend in a incredible character called Max, who's introduced, who's a new girl to the town, who Dustin and Lucas end up falling for. Yeah, um, falling hard as well. We're introduced <laughs> to... <sighs> we're introduced to Max's brother, Billy, who's a psychopath, <laughs> but I can change him. Um <laughs> Oh my god! Played by Dacre Montgomery, who mm. played Jason in the Power Rangers movie. Oh my god! What a man! He might be a psycho, but as we've already discussed in this podcast, I've got a thing for psychos called Billy. So you really um, do. I think it's yeah. it's there. Literally, is something about Billy yeah. for you, isn't but, there? Oh my days! He is <laughs> so hot. anyway. But he's a psychopath. So we get introduced to him. But then we get introduced to one of the sweetest softest cinnamon buns in the world and we get introduced to bob who's joyce's new boyfriend playing played by sean astin who was um mikey in the um goonies film who's one of the standouts of this series um also a red herring because for ages i thought bob was i didn't trust bob for a good i didn't trust bob particularly when he has that scene with will talking about his his experiences with a a clown that is strikingly similar to pennywise he's (laughs) like oh you need to open up and just confront it and i was like you sneaky bat but then in the end yeah we come back to Hawkins and it's a year later and it's Halloween. It's the best time of the year. It just ticks so many boxes for me. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I do, I mean, I, I will also address the, the elephant in the room, which I suppose is the shortcomings of this, this season. And I, I wasn't the biggest fan of like the, the sub plot that they had with 11 meeting number eight, who's another character, um, 
Callie, who yes. we're in- introduced to, who also possesses her own set of powers. And I get that it, it was essential to like expand that story. And I think, again, this is something they're really looking to do in season four, which I'm glad they've not abandoned. I think it was the problems were like pacing. Like, I don't think it yeah. needed to be the opening. And I don't think at the penultimate episode, we needed to leave Hawkins and have this whole other no, story take we place didn't. when we were ready for that big finale. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it, it, it was... It was a great addition on expanding mm-hmm. the universe. It was nice to see Eleven's backstory mm-hmm. delved into a bit further because we learn in this series that it was Eleven's mum who was experimented on initially. Yeah. And it wasn't just Eleven, it was a bunch of kids. Yeah, which is quite shocking yeah. when you like look at that. It really, it really is. But not surprising of the American government. But there we go. Mm. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, well, this was this was Reagan era, so yeah, hundred percent Nixon yeah. and Reagan. Yeah, so we find out that yeah, Eleven wasn't the only nearly kid experimented on. She meets Callie. She goes for a road trip, gets another makeover, a bitchin' makeover. Yeah, uh, we've, I, like I mean, the the incarnations of Eleven throughout this it's, entire it's series. So my, we've season three is my favorite makeover. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, I I agree. I don't think I like Punky uh, Eleven. I don't think she needed that, but I do love how. She, yeah. she transforms as, as a character, but also how just wholesome and lovely it is that she has this relationship now with Hopper. He's kind of oh, become this yeah. surrogate father figure for her. And obviously what we learned in the finale of, of season one of how he lost his own daughter, which again, like you said, absolutely brilliant writing, like the, mm-hmm. the echoes of like the scenes that are happening in the upside down to him telling his little girl to like calm her breathing and oh. all that. I mean, it, it, it actually makes me tear up like Same. watching it. Yeah. For him to then like take this on, like she's, she's lost her father in the figure of Papa, who was this abusive, obviously doctor. And now he's lost his kid and it, it's just, it fits together perfectly. Mike's heartbroken. He's still radioing for 11 yeah. every night and wants her back. And he, he's initially like really angsty against Max because he's yeah. like, I don't want another girl in the group if it's not 11. Mm-hmm. And I can just remember like that whole dynamic of being a kid and how those relationships were. Like you would be best friends with people for like a week and then <laughs> absolutely yeah. hate them. Um, I, this is what I, <laughs> I think the biggest strength of season two is the dynamic between the four core children mm-hmm. and the introduction of Max, because yeah. obviously we've got these four friends who have just been through some shit. Will finally get some screen time and we find out that... <laughs> um, poor Will. Well, we find out that, yeah, poor Will. Poor Will can't catch a bloody break because, oh, he spent all, the whole of the last season in the Upside Down and now he can't stop seeing it. From now the flashbacks. Upside Down's in him somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, the the strength of this season is establishing those strong bonds between the core cast and how, as age progresses, friendships evolve and change. And then I think introducing that dynamic and some of the boys getting their first crush was actually really sweet. I I will go on paper to say that Dustin is probably my favourite of all four of them. I love Dustin so much and seeing him have a crush on someone who's just the sweetest thing. And we got yeah. this season we got introduced to Dustin's mum, who is an icon. Oh my um, god, and his cat, Muse. His cat. I mean and again. Then, um we find out that <laughs> Dustin not only has a cat, but then finds a weird little trash monster and yeah. decides to raise it. And he names him Dart after D'Artagnan from the Three Musketeers. It's, honestly, it's the cutest thing. And I think, yeah, it's like seeing that knockback of, of obviously the fact that Max and Lucas are maybe forming a bit more of a connection than he is. He kind of then chooses to, to, to put all his time and energy into this 
this little pollywog creature, yeah. um, which is yeah, it's it's the most adorable thing, and I, I absolutely do. I, I think Dustin is by far yeah one of my favourite characters. Um, he's just so innocent and just I don't know. I, and I think again, this is also the season where we really see that that relationship between him and Steve really take off. And oh my god! I, it's I will gorgeous. say, I, I was happy to kind of see that Nancy didn't stay with Steve. Like I, I didn't, I didn't want that. I, I thought she shouldn't mm. be with Jonathan because I think out of all of the characters, those two are probably my most annoying see, characters. I didn't so they maybe want, need to. I didn't want her to stay get with together. Jonathan, and I'm kind of hoping that they. Well, I, I think they're probably, yeah, they're but, probably um, going to come to an yeah. end, aren't they? But if season one was inspired by E.T. Stand By Me and the Goonies, then season two gets its uh, inspiration from Gremlins, gets its inspiration from, I'm going to say, Fright Night um, mm-hmm. and Nightmare on Elm Street 2, because the relationship between Steve and Billy is very homoerotically charged. The oh my lord, it is, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous and... I, well, I think there was a there was a rumor, wasn't there, for a while that this character was going to be gay. Uh, that's Billy. that's like, how I read it in the second I, season. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know, I think, I, I felt like he was overcompensating with like his yeah. attention to women. He, he had this like macho kind of dynamic going with with Steve, and I got, obviously he had to kind of address he was the new kid in town and top mm. dog. But yeah, yeah, there was there was something sus Emphasis going on, on there. Top. I do- <laughs> I do think, though, I didn't know whether or not it was just all those queer people just being thirsty and reaching. Oh, we just love a bad boy, don't we? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I like we were just like, yeah, okay, we like him, so he's definitely part of the crew. Halloween night is celebrated. Everything isn't rosy, as Will is obviously now noticing when he keeps dipping in and out of the upside down that there's this this huge entity and i mean this is where i think you can see they got money mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes. this like whereas i think i appreciate how humble and practical obviously everything was in the first season this really stepped it up to blockbuster territory with the yeah. mind flayer and this cloud monster that that we were getting as along with uh, obviously what we then learned dart turns into uh, a demidog as it's called yeah um, by dustin so we've got these characters on a quest something's wrong with will will's doing his thing again everyone's yeah. kind of like what do we do to save will although the the lab is is still there it's now being run by people who are maybe not as dark sided as uh, <laughs> they were in uh, well yeah one of the one. um one of the introductions is the new head of hawkins lab who mm. it turns out that will's been going to to have tests and all that lot. everything seems okay on the surface but then we find out that under the lab the gate has opened again and the upside down is trying to go right side up and yeah so poor will gets possessed by the mind flayer and in some oh god the 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 scenes where he's like having a fit oh my god i know really knocked me i don't i don't think enough credit is given to uh, noah schnapp as an actor because like it's a lot that he has to take on oh to like channel that and i mean like particularly in i think whereas we said like season one was maybe joyce's season and i think obviously 11 is prevalent in all of them so millie bobby brown Mm -hmm. yes you're great won me over later but noah (laughs) schnapp was definitely season two and his his time to shine uh because yeah obviously it was almost a possession yeah. wasn't it like i mean it was it the, the, particularly the last episodes they were like perception films the way and that they, they yeah, played there out was like, there was like a full-on exorcism by fire and mm-hmm. heat at one point so yeah we go a bit further along into the season fully possessed will is speaking to everyone as the mind fire but is also tapping out morse code to say you know close the gate because 
blah, blah, blah. But everyone picks up on that because they're all nerds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do love that as well. The fact that there's no question that any of these characters are going to yeah, grasp yeah. these complex things that even as adults I struggle with. But these kids, <laughs> they, they know their shit. Well, while all that's going on, Eleven's on her own, like, eat, pray, and love thing. And, you know, <laughs> She's discovering herself, just leaving them herself. to. But then um, we get one of my favourite moments in the season because I think another thing that the season the reunion between Eleven and Mike comes in the penultimate mm. episode and there's just not enough like we, we were wanting that and as much as I, I feel like a build-up should have happened I feel like it there was just mm-hmm. too much of that yeah. and there wasn't enough disappearance but then we get a really nice reunion where again Eleven goes all Dark Phoenix and kills all these demodogs um, it's just such a good scene like I yeah. mean seeing them all again in the buyer's like house and yeah. And her just to, yeah, throw this dog through the, the window and open the door with her mind. And I mean, again, the music, the music is just, oh, oh it's, it's incredible. I love that Mike's reaction to Hopper, like mm-hmm. that whole scene where he just goes like crazy and he's like punching yeah. him and he's like, why did you lie to me? And you get why he did it, but it is kind yeah. of heartbreaking, isn't it? It's a, there's um, a, the one thing that cannot be faulted in this show at all is the performances from the young people after mm-hmm. they, they are their casting was out of this world so well done. um every single one of them is a force to be reckoned with i think and i can't wait to see their careers grow and grow and grow yeah but yeah we get a confrontation at the end like the final confrontation of 11 again using a vast amount of power to close the gate we lose Bob. Double nosebleed this time. Double nosebleed. Double nosebleed yeah. this time. But yeah, I, I was going to say, I, obviously, what I think you're going on to, the, uh, I think what works so well about this series is the fact that you care so much about the characters. I mean, now we're yeah. going into season four. We're still talking about Bob, who we lost. And of uh-huh. course, yeah, this season, we lose we Bob. We lose Bob. Oh, which my is God. just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because he's... He's so lovely. <laughs> and he's he just really so, is. He's so selfless. And oh, when he's in his little Dracula costume. You know? I, lo- but, yeah, um, I, love, I love I love him to bits. I love Sean Astin so much. In mm-hmm. near enough everything he's been in, 51st dates when he's that tank top, mesh <laughs> tank top, you know, steroid injecting muscly guy. Obviously, as Mikey from The Goonies, because The Goonies is one of the greatest films ever made. And obviously he plays the best friend in the world. Samwise yeah. Gamgee. Absolutely. And it's just, yeah. it was so nice for them to get Sean Austin for this season, because obviously he was part of the reason why the show got made um, because mm. it, the film, the, the Goonies, if, if nobody at home has watched the Goonies, then please stop whatever you're doing, watch the Goonies, then press play afterwards. <laughs> Cause I, that film to me, it just feels like, warmth and comfort and it would just be like it's it's like a dream of, of like <laughs> what your summers would be like the ideal situation would be that you'd have the summer off school you'd be hanging out with your friends all day and oh my god there's a treasure map that leads to mm-hmm. actual treasure that we can go and discover yeah, like yeah. i mean just the thought of it alone is and i mean I, I don't know i think that's what they i love that they they hit so high like with their ex- expectations and their dreams and whatever of who they wanted to pull in this yeah. show and they got it because obviously the success of season one really showed like how much the public loved these characters and this idea but yeah they've as the seasons have gone on we've got some like really big players come in haven't we yeah. since then um, and yeah absolutely Sean Astin was one of them uh, with 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 Bob it has then also almost become a tradition though hasn't it like now though that we do have a character every season that we absolutely adore 
who we then unfortunately have to see die. But in closing of this season, uh, we go to the Snowball, which is a little high school dance. We get to hear Olivia Newton-John's Twist of Fate, one of the greatest songs ever made. I've been an Olivia Newton-John stan since I was a child because of Xanadu. I love this song. I can't tell you how much I play that song in particular. Um, I think partly because of Catchy's lip sync, but also just because... Oh, the slow splits. The slow, <laughs> the yeah. slow we splits. Get, we get a really lovely moment of, you know, Mike and Eleven finally get a little dance together. Lucas and Max get their high school dance but, on. And we get poor Dustin not, oh, really, no. not really having anyone until Nancy's like, you know what, I've been a bit of a drip so far. It's literally the most heartwarming moment ever yeah. of that season. But also... Mike invited Eleven to the snowball back in season one and he mm-hmm. promised her that he'd take yeah. her and now he's taken her because she's now back in the real world and it's oh, oh it's just so <laughs> lovely and Nancy's dancing with Dustin and Dustin's got great hair and yeah oh, the, the so way then, that season two ends is just yeah, perfection lovely. but then we get to see above the high school dance the mind players there <laughs> looking on just tell us just creeping not, you are not safe just so creeping over Hawkins into- high school into season three now it's season three we go back to hawkins another year later and we see that not everything's as it seemed because they've got a new mall and the town's in complete and that's a shit you know corporate yeah america takes over the the way that i mean each season kind of like comments on stuff obviously season two we got to see more of the town and it seemed like lovely it seemed idyllic and then yeah by all means season three opens star court malls now the the big kind of setting and big space for the show which obviously does become featured very heavily towards the end but we do see yeah i suppose the the ideas of of corporations taking over and getting their claws into things and maybe that this is the turning point in the 80s where maybe things weren't so nostalgic and lovely and and nice (laughs) and of course we we have this this russian influence now coming to the forefront which has been alluded to pretty much since the first season as well one of my favorite scenes is we find out that billy is working as a lifeguard (laughs) at the local pool and we knew that would be one of your favorite scenes we get the real housewives of hawkins indiana and mrs wheeler and her three friends who we don't i don't think we really find out yeah no i don't think we need to they're just fabulous thirsty and thirsting after billy and i mean i would be (laughs) there right there with them sipping a cocktail um and we find out that billy has put his time and effort in being a (laughs) to um (laughs) (laughs) i will don't worry um into being a lifeguard and shouting at fat kids um (laughs) He is just like, I mean, this is it, is like, we saw that he was a bit of a psycho in season two. We saw like maybe, uh, we saw a bit of an explanation as to why he was a psycho because of his home life and what he's got going on and this pressure that's on him to be this kind of person and this personality now in this new town. Mm -hmm. But it's... (laughs) There's still something which is so incredibly attractive about him, yeah, yeah. which is so, yeah. so concerning. I think, because obviously <laughs> everyone and their brother has a mullet at the moment, and I think it's because of Billy, so thank you, Billy. But um, yeah, Billy is responsible. I don't have one personally, because, no. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we find out that Mike and Eleven are an established couple now, and they spend all their time 
kissing one another. Much Too much to time. Of Hopper, who yep. is hopping mad. Uh, way, <laughs> way. Um, Justin's just come back from summer camp where he's met a girl, but nobody believes him. He's got this little device that is critical cerebro, which, as a comic book nerd and an <laughs> X Men nerd, warmed my heart. Um, <laughs> we find out that Lucas and Max are still going strong, and Will is. Will's just feeling like Will's just being Will. Yeah. Will's just just poor, doing his poor, thing again. Poor Will is there being forgotten about by all of his mates. I mean, this is it. Season one, he was lost. People were trying to find him. Season two, he's been possessed. You'd think that this summer now, season three, they'd be yeah. clinging to Will for dear life, hoping nothing happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, he's kind of just being left to his own devices. He's very much not wanting to necessarily grow up. And I mean, this yeah. is a thing we have to also address on this, is the fact that with the seasons we're seeing these kids like grow up almost real time which is yeah. you know when you look at what they look like now compared to that first season mm-hmm. it is insane how much they've grown I, again i think this is why will speaks to me so much as a character like i very much love to cling to that idea of childhood and playing with my friends yeah. and and being in that in that like i don't know scenario and it is hard growing up sometimes and i think when the the actor Noah schnapp has also spoken about the character maybe obviously is suspected sexuality again which what we've said is addressed a bit more in this in this season he's kind of said it maybe necessarily isn't that it maybe be just that his time away and the upside down meant that he didn't mature as much as his yeah. friends did and mm-hmm. he had time away from everything and now he's having to almost do an 11 and like assimilate again with people and see um, what's normal yeah. i'm really excited to see what they do in season four with will i hope because, he does a lot more i hope he yeah. is like a i hope because in he's in a new setting as well yeah but yeah um we also find out that um starcourt mall has got our favorite floppy haired beautiful man steve's <laughs> working at an ice cream shop in starcourt mall has a new friend and a co-worker called robin again she an incredible actress, uh, has incredible parents, to be fair. So <laughs> I was going to say, someone who comes from Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Yeah. Just <laughs> um, perfection. Later, later on in the series, we find out that she's she's a lesbian. So gay rights. Gay, um, gay, gay rights. Gay um, rights. But yeah, I mean, on... in, in one of the most heartfelt scenes as well. Like, I mean... A lot of a lot of shows tackle the issues of queerness and coming out and all of that. But very few shows i think do it as well as this and that's again speaks volumes on the writing but for it to be a show that features crazy monsters and mm-hmm. friggin weird telepathic teenagers and and for it to have like this moment which is so real and so yeah. relatable is well, uh, as is we've perfect. said about the um influences on past seasons uh season three is highly influenced to me by john carpenter's the thing in fact we yes. even get to see a bit of it um there's a lot of gross body horror in this this is definitely season. a body horror yeah. season and for sure. um Oh, we get a lovely little scene where everyone's at the sneaks into the cinema and we see a bit of uh, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Um, my <laughs> yeah. fav- it's my favourite scene from that film as well, where the hands come out of the wall. <laughs> Quite scary. Um, but yeah, this season, the Russians are coming. Well, they're here. <laughs> they're uh, here. It, t- it turns out that they've been manipulating the gate underneath Starcourt Mall to tap into the upside down which is having an effect everywhere else joyce seems to be the person to figure it out and she's like these magnets aren't magneting anymore so <laughs> what's going on with my magnets <laughs> it's uh yeah i mean i i do also love that joyce just stays at this heightened state through all se- uh, three seasons joyce's hair in this season though looks great uh, yeah incredible the, the wig department <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and a quick a quick shout out as well 
Hopper wears a shirt in season three that's green and pink and white. It's the most incredible shirt I've ever seen. Pastel you can only, paradise. Yeah, you can only buy it from Hot Topic in America. So if anybody out there is from America and is rich and want to buy me that shirt, I'll take it in the biggest size possible. Also um, me. Also I me. <laughs> I, I asked first, remember that. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, um, we... Uh, we get a cute little moment where Hopper asks Joyce out for some food and then he's like, oh, it's not a date. It's not a date when you, you know it's a date because he dresses up and it's, it's yeah. cute. One That's thing fair. I think we've not addressed yet and we do just need to take a moment uh, is a character that was introduced in season two, but oh my Lord, I think steals the show in season three. And that is the character of Erica. We're introduced oh, to Lucas's family, my which God. we didn't know existed in season one. No. We thought maybe he was just this abandoned child, but Jesus Christ, Erica what? is... What, an icon? <laughs> Uh, the, the things that this girl says, the, oh. the way that she's so switched on, and I mean, just, I, I mean, I aspire to be Erica, yeah. because um, you can't spell yeah. America without Erica. No. Hashtag <laughs> be more Erica, honestly. <laughs> she is incredible. Be more um, Erica. Yeah. Um, we but, also yeah. get introduced to Alexi. Huh. Sweet little baby. Who, baby um, angel. <laughs> baby angel. He's... Um, He's a Russian who's actually helping out Hopper. Gets to have a cultural exchange moment at a fun fair um, <laughs> before he's... Before we don't like to talk about it. The bad guy from Terminator <laughs> 2 comes along and... <laughs> I mean, this is it. it again. It, I love that it, it's so on the nose with its references. That, like you yeah. said, the body horror is clearly the thing, and like Cronenberg and. Mm -hmm. The the Russian assassin is clearly an Arnold Schwarzenegger like impersonator. Yeah, he's like um, Drago mixed with the yes T one thousand. Absolutely, um, he's yeah. uh, he's he's everything. Um, but again, we we get this this character that we're introduced to, who turns out to then be a fan favorite, and in true yeah. Stranger Things fashion, is just offed because as I'm soon as you get to... to anyone next season, <laughs> this is it. I mean, I'll be. So... I kind of, I'm a little bit worried that I think that they're going to maybe take on some main players this season. Oh, absolutely. I th um, I, we'll because, get into it when we discuss season four. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I yeah. have a theory. But, um, oh my God, we get what I've been waiting for since season one in this is we get a makeover montage. Eleven absolutely. gets another makeover and... Uh, the montage is ripped straight out of any 80s teen film slash is out at, it directly looks like the fashion shopping montage in never ending story three which there's I, a third one yeah i i so <laughs> i have a such a such a love for all three never ending story films that okay but that also never ending story gets referenced in this in a very on the nose way um it, it very much a does. scene that divided fans um, how how did it a divide lot of people anyone didn't like it because obviously oh, shut up while it was happening <laughs> if if sh so if if she hadn't have made him sing Neverending Story, then Hopper would have had time to get out. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, now you say that, I mean, mm. well, I think she's coming back for season four. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. smack that bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I loved it. I, I mean, it yeah. was just, it, it kind of, in the midst of all this chaos, like I, you've got yeah, I will all love this it stuff going on. Neverending never Stories, I know I say this about a lot of films, but it's actually one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, and that song means a lot to me. I used to <laughs> I used to roll up my duvet as a kid, sit on it and pretend it was Falco. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
flag uh, amazing. Stand, yeah. No, but, no. Um, yes. <laughs> no, we get some we get some great moments in this. Um, we see Joyce Byers really step into her own in this, and mm-hmm. we see that after everything that's happened, she just just she's given up. She just doesn't take any shit whatsoever anymore. Absolutely. This is the Joyce Byers that we need. Like, we also get we also get some some another amazing bit of casting. The uh, the mayor of Hawkins mm-hmm. um, turns out to be Princess Bride icon and. So, so I was going to say, yeah, uh, the guy who cuts his foot off. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Earls. I never know how to pronounce. Yeah, his nailed surname. it. Nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely him. And we also get a Busey <laughs> who works. At, yeah, I don't know which Busey it is because they both look the same and they both look terrifying to me. Um, yeah, I think it's Gary Busey's brother. So it's the yeah. other Busey. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but so uh, we got some eighties icons appearing in the show once again. I mean, this this series tackles tackles a lot. I mean, you've got like the themes of like infidelity with Mike's mum and and Billy and all of that kind of going on. You've got the I mean, which is great. We, she I mean, should have cheated on him. She should have cheated on that useless sack. <laughs> Mike's dad is the most useless sack of He's, he's become a caricature at this point. I mean, Mark Mike's Stanham. dad Mike's dad would be someone I wouldn't mind seeing go oh, in, uh, in season mom, four. Mike's mum, though, if anything happens to Mike's <laughs> mum. I, I mean, I, I rarely she's, say this because, she's you know... Stunning. Absolutely, absolutely. She's gorgeous. She she really is. I want to be her when I grow up. (laughs) You can be her now. Just 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 get the right bikini. You'll be you'll be fine. But um, But, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff, isn't there, Mm -hmm. in this in this season? And like, I don't know. Nancy's off with uh, Jonathan at the newspaper, realizing that being a woman kind of sucks in the eighties, and has that beautiful beautiful speech with her mum about. Like oh, that's my favourite she, scene this season. How she needs to be in life and because and we, we don't it, really with that. her and her mum are quite estranged, they, aren't they, they? Yeah, they butt heads it's quite a lot, nice. and yeah. then we get this gorgeous moment where they both realise, you know, we're both in the basically the same situation. No one gives yeah. a shit about women in this time. I mean, look yeah. at Joyce Byers. Nobody believed her. They've all thought she was hysterical because that's it. Absolutely. History history has a way of repeating itself, and it's always women are crazy. It's stupid, but anyway. I digress. It turns out that Billy gets possessed by the Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer is back. The Mind Flayer yeah. is never too far away um, possessing people. And um, Billy becomes our main antagonist, really, mm. uh, this season. And there's some... there's some. Uh, so I'm not a big body horror person. And there's just some scenes where this big floating mess of gore and teeth comes... Gelatinous glob. <laughs> Vile. Um, but yeah, season three really... It, it starts. Uh, Just, I'd like to think that this glob came along, realised how pretty Billy was, and was like, "Do you know what? I'm not going to dissolve you, but the residents no. of Hawkins, yeah, yeah. I'm going to dissolve. But you, you can stay." <laughs> but we have, um, we have a resolution to the season. Uh, it all concludes a big battle at Starcourt Mall. We find that Eleven has somehow lost the powers it never really gets i like i'm hoping she's burnt out i'm hoping it's like she's she's not lost them completely but again seems to be I'm a hoping she just yeah i'm hoping going she just into needed five four. minutes just yeah to slip off, she, she just needs Knackered. some egos then she's fine um, yeah <laughs> yeah so we find that um 11 again saves the day but then billy sacrifices himself in the end uh we found out he's not a bit he's not a prick after all he has got a heart yeah. And it belongs to me. 
and um, <laughs> he sacrificed himself to save the kids, particularly his sister, who it turns out he did actually love, even though he never really showed it. The culmination of everything that happens in season three is the buyers are leaving Hawkins. <laughs> They're like, we have yeah. been through too much. I mean, that's it, isn't it? You always say in the horror films that like, these characters need to know when to get the hell out. And I think mm-hmm. three seasons into knowing that Hawkins, Indiana is probably the weirdest uh, place to be. Yeah you probably would prompt you to move but also we have this heartbreaking ending where seemingly hopper's gone hopper's hopper's maybe not oh, alive God. there's I a remember bit where that tear rolls down his cheek and he just nods to tell joyce to just throw the switch him. throw the switch i can remember afterwards like obviously it was kind of it was in the wake of uh, Avengers Endgame had, had kind of come out and obviously there was the Love You 3000 thing with Iron Man and then everyone was like screw you Love You 3000 leave the door open three inches and then everyone was theorising like oh my god there's a ladder under the machine did mm. he get out, is he okay and I'm kind of glad that they did a similar thing to what they did obviously with Eleven seemingly dying at the end of season mm-hmm. one where they the Duffer brothers immediately were like okay we're gonna do Stranger Things season four also here's a promo showing that Hopper is alive I know it yeah. was alluded to at the end mm-hmm. when we go back to Russia and nice. oh my god the Demogorgons are back which is great yeah. but I'm glad that we got that concrete evidence that we yeah <laughs> that he was okay. because after <laughs> because he has a, a letter that he wrote for Eleven and oh. When that letter Tears. gets read out, I, I, I was sobbing. But, oh, my God. I was <laughs> uh, So at the end of season three, I was an absolute mess. So I'm really yeah. glad we could get that teaser. So um, the trailer dropped the other day for season four. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best trailer so far. Um, I, I will say I'm very partial to Stranger Things season two's final trailer because it has yeah. the most incredible music. Also, mm-hmm. we got the thriller trailer that season at yeah. Comic-Con. But I completely agree. This trailer oh, that's d- just dropped. So season, so season three Jesus um, jumped into the the horror swimming pool, shall we say? Mm. So season three was where it mm-hmm. was like, right, we're gonna. And season four looks like it's it's just full on horror. We've got this yeah. allusions to like callbacks to it with this weird looking abandoned house with all Creole these, house, yeah. Oh, with all these crows flying around it. Or, I think they're demo bats. I yeah, think they're, they're going to oh be bats. God. This we is get, this is gothic. This is gothic yeah. horror. We're heading head We've to, got the casting sure. of horror icon Robert England, who today I found out was backing vocals on Can You Feel the Love Tonight? <laughs> when, you, when you messaged me this, I, I didn't know if it was real. <laughs> it I was on the real. Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, but, I yeah. mean, I just, how? What? How the hell? I How did this happen? Known, uh, and with, was it Rick Astley, was it? Rick well? Astley and Gary Barlow, yeah. What, what, Rick, what? Rick Astley, Gary Barlow and Robert Englund in a room. I know. <laughs> singing about the Serengeti. Yeah. It, oh, it's incredible. <laughs> what? But anyway, the casting of Robert Englund in this filled me with so much joy when it was announced because there's... There's no one who throws themselves into a role as much as Robert. He's got such a passion for what he does. And, uh, you know, we haven't covered Nightmare on Elm Street on this show yet, and we will do because, you know, I'm not going to spend the next however long talking about how amazing he is. But (laughs) when he was cast and it's not been confirmed if he's the villain, we know we see him in a trailer, but we get this. 
we get I this. think, well, we got a trailer that was kind of like a flashback, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. um, it showed the Creole house, like, in its heyday. I think, like, back in the 50s, 60s sort of time. And I do think that the young gentleman there looks suspiciously like a younger Robert Englund. So I'm thinking yeah. he's potentially going to go... I know he's playing a, ser- a serial killer or a serial yeah. murderer of some kind. So I think... We're going to get this guy in flashbacks. He's going to have gone on like some murderous rampage in Hawkins and now imprisoned. I don't think, and this is obviously me just saying my opinion and, and what mm-hmm. I think. I don't think he is the main villain per se. I don't Heron. think he's, well, they're calling this entity that we've seen now at the end, which is, oh my God, stunning. Uh, Vecna, um, is the name of the, 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 the villain in, in mm-hmm. season four. I don't think that is Robert Englund. I, I have think, a theory who that is. I've got a theory who Vecna is. I think Vecna is number one. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, first, so got, uh, first, got, like, the first yeah, yeah. experiment. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay. That's Vecna's interesting. Number one. But the shout out to the makeup department and whoever designed mm. and applied that because that looks gorgeous. My theory as well is Vecna is just a shell. And when the shell opens, it's Kelly Rowland. Friday! And- <laughs> Freddy! <laughs> and that's, yeah, and Robert England will be in the room and she just shouts Freddy. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> See, that completely came out of nowhere for me there, so thank you for genuinely surprising jump scare with Kelly Rowland. Yeah, no, 100%. I think you're onto a winner there. If they haven't done that, then I might just consider not watching the show again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Part of me is thinking one of two things. I don't know, because I know that there's still theories as to whether or not Papa's still alive. And we know in the world of TV, unless you see a body, a yeah. definitive body, you don't know if that and person's dead. And even then, in this show, we saw but a body also, and it was filled with cotton wool. Also, so. also that, also that. Um, I'm not too sure, though, whether or not there'd be some maybe connection to Billy and whether or not he's been like built in this mm. upside down version I, i'm not too sure i think just be seeing max at the headstone obviously this is very much going to be a, a, a show of I, I i know the duffer brothers themselves have said this is max's season so like yeah. we've said previously i do think there is a focus on particular characters each time round, and i'm more than happy for it to be max's season me too i love sadie sink i think she's, she's a brilliant incredible actress. yeah and um, i'm excited to see like but I, I don't feel, know the real world effects of like what yeah, happened. I feel in like three. this season is um, really influenced by Clive Barker. Uh, I can see like the Hellraiser kind of yeah. like in the design for Vecna as well. Um, yeah, but I feel like this is the Clive Barker season, and this is going to be the season that you know we're we're going to be terrified. I mean, we get mm-hmm. some we get some hints at people getting powers in this. I mean, do we? Is it Max who's levitating at one point? Well, this is it. it. I don't like... know. I don't know. Yeah, it is. She's she's uh, levitating at the graveside, and and I think like Lucas and and people are there as well with her. But mm. I'm not too sure if it's powers or if maybe something's controlling her from the other side, Ooh, or there yeah, is some kind of point. link there. I, I also don't know if we're gonna head into a place the Duffer Brothers have said that this now that the characters are older they're like teenagers now mm-hmm. that we're very much in a place where they can face horror as in like how we'd yeah. be used to seeing horror and this character is very much going to be the pinhead the Pennywise yeah. the Freddy Krueger of the show which they've always wanted I to do am, I am already like terrified for whatever's going to happen terrified because it looks scary but also 
we're going to see some deaths. I just feel it. Yeah, I and very I, much, I think all, all bets and are And I also think, and I don't want to say it, but Dustin's been the heart of this show, who everybody, they've really made Dustin be the character that you f- have fallen in love with. And I don't trust that at all. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to touch Dustin. I think there would be, I think there'd be riots. Okay. Yeah, as long as, as long as Joyce, Eleven, Will, uh, Dustin, and Steve, uh, Lucas, I mean, Basically, all of them are okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, plot twist. What if Fechner turns out to be Barb? Barb, yeah. <laughs> That's a possibility. I mean, 100% I would be down for that. <laughs> if it's just it's just some weird, I don't know, slug version of Barb. So I really hope that everybody has enjoyed this episode of us trying to recap all three seasons of Stranger Things. What we're going to do is quickly just talk about some recommendations uh, if you want to look further on. Uh, into the Stranger Things universe. And then we have some announcements about some upcoming Stranger Things specials that we have. So uh, I'll kick us off, if you don't mind. Um, I do mind, actually. Um, How how rude. How rude. I'm just (laughs) switching things up because this is the one time when my um, recommendation this month isn't a book. Um, (laughs) What? And my recommendation is for everybody to go out there and listen to the to the soundtrack, to the score of Stranger Things. It's available on Spotify, but if you can get that on vinyl, if you can get that anywhere and physical, like the physical media, it's my favourite score of anything, followed very closely by the Casper film. Um, it's James <laughs> Better Horner. Of a James, yeah, James Horner. Have you heard, though, James. that we're getting a new new Casper film have, on the yes, way? Have, yeah. yeah, Nostalgia, mm-hmm. again. I'll see how, it, I'll see how the, I feel about that at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Please listen to it. It's Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. And um, it's just, I love just putting it on and just be transported into a different world. So my recommendation, if you want to, you know, really immerse yourself in the world of Stranger Things is to get those scores. A hundred percent. I agree. I mean, uh, I say this as a person who has every vinyl. I think I have some of them on cassette as well, because like you said, I think part of the joy is having the physical like media, like how you would have had it at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, absolutely smashing soundtrack. And again, I I look forward to seeing what we're going to get for next season. Like, because I know, although we have these gaps in between seasons, you still have the music to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, their choice of needle drops in this show as well are just on yeah. point, absolutely on point. So, yeah, good shout, good shout. I'm going to also tip things upside down. Hey. <laughs> and, um, sorry, and I'm going to actually recommend a book, and well, several books. Actually, I'm just going to recommend the complete expanded universe for Stranger Things. You've got several books uh, to check out. There's one entitled Suspicious Minds, Darkness on the Edge of Town, which I will say is actually really, really great. It's it's a Hopper prequel mm-hmm. uh, novel, which references some of the, the stuff that Eleven kind of explores and sees in the cabin in season two. There's a killer podcast called Rebel Robin, which is like the first fictional kind of drama podcast that they've put out alongside Stranger Things, which does indeed star Maya Hawke. So that's great. If you want more of that character, obviously we love we absolutely love Robin. Yeah. I will say the, the comics, I have them, not necessarily read them. I've kind of got them more as collector's items, so they're still yeah. sealed. But I know that there's retellings of pretty much this first season and then expanding on like summer camp adventures with yeah. Dustin and all that sort of jazz. So there's so, so much to, to see and like, I don't know, read up on uh, alongside the TV show. Um, 
but I will actually say my two favorite things that I probably have associated with Stranger Things are, t- are two books. There's one called um, Worlds Turned Upside Down, which is probably the most gorgeous book that I have. It's mm. it's made to look like this old weathered battered library book but but it 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 covers season one and two and i'm extremely hopeful that we get one for seasons three and four but it has sections on the production design uh, costume makeup creature design the scripts the music it's like it just takes a deep dive into the elements of the show that we love so much and it's presented like beautifully like i'm a nerd for that sort of stuff like Mm -hmm. you know when stuff is graphically designed so lovely also if you like some of the fan art that you might have seen with Stranger Things, there is also a book called Visions from the Upside Down, which is just jam-packed full of some of your favourite artists taking on their ideas and concepts of of the world of Stranger Things. So again, great coffee table books if you just want to flick through and stay in that world of Stranger Things in between seasons, definitely check those out. Nice. So, in closing, dates for your calendar is Season 4 is released in two parts, available on Netflix, so the first part of season four will drop on the 27th of May with the second part of season four dropping on the 1st of July. If you want to hear two homosexuals discussing <laughs> both parts of these seasons, you can listen to our Stranger Things season four specials. The first part is dropping on the 3rd of June. So it gives you plenty of time to watch that. And, and there will be spoilers, we will say. Yeah, no there will be spoilers. spoilers. So we're giving yeah. you a week, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the second part will be dropping on the 8th of July. So it gives you plenty of time to get that watched. Come and listen to us discuss it. We're obviously going to be going crazy over it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us for a special episode. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy watching Stranger Things. I really hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, you can find us on our social medias. You can find us on Twitter at at... Oh God! At, 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 I sound like an alien from You can find us on Twitter at They're Queer. Quite simple, just all one word: They're Queer. And <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram at They're Queer Podcast, all one word. And our own personal socials are in the bio as usual. It's all links. It'll all be linked down below. But yeah, definitely um, come say hi. We'd love to chat about Stranger Things. And if you didn't know, we uh, we absolutely love this show and we cannot wait for season four to drop. So, woohoo! Until next time, remember that closets were not made for people. They were made for monsters and babysitter killers. Mwah. Goodbye now. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast on the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. To show your support, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can find us on social media in the links in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening.